This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org. All right, so today's text is 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18. All right, verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, thank you for uh, the opportunity to come worship today, Lord, and just uh, pray that you would be with Mark as he uh, brings a message from uh, this section uh, of Second Peter, Lord. I uh, just pray that you would open our hearts to hear it, Lord, and that you would, um, a spirit that you just be with us throughout the sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, saints. All of you here in person and those who are watching online, it's much better in person, isn't it? Would everybody here agree that it's much better in person? So if you're at home and you can come next Sunday, EOL, I'll see you back there. I hope you will come and be with us next time. Now, some of you have seen the next slide I'm going to show you. And if you've seen this, don't blow it for everybody else. Don't yell out the number. But for the rest of you, I'm going to read the sentence that will be on the screen one time. And as I'm reading it, you're reading it along with me silently. And you're going to write down the number of Fs that you see. F as in fox. Ready? Here we go. Finished files are the result of years of scientific study combined with the experience of years. Write down the number of Fs. You have five seconds. All right, how many wrote three? Okay, say a good number of hands. How many wrote four? A few hands. How many wrote five? A lot of hands. How many wrote six? All right, a few of you got it right. There are six Fs. You see how our brain skips over the ofs? Oh, Oh, man. This is part of a tract from Ray Comfort's ministry, Living Waters Publication. It's a great tract because on on the front it says, count the ofs. And on the back it says, ah, I bet you didn't get six, right? Look, if this, if you're wrong about the number of Fs here, it's no big deal. Not a big deal. So what? You know, I get it right. But, and the tract goes on, we cannot afford to be wrong when it comes to knowing truth about who Jesus is. Truth about why he came to the earth. Truth about how God will treat and deal with sin in those who do not believe in Jesus when Jesus returns. There's truth about that. Not opinions, not ideas, not myths, but truth. Now, we've seen Peter lay a foundation for faith in Jesus, remember, that results in growing character qualities. He talks about the growing, add these things to your faith. And these things include virtue and knowledge and self-control, steadfastness, godliness, and brotherly love. And then the pinnacle, the greatest of all, is agape love, which is the love that God has for us. It's unconditional. And we are to add that love for uh, one another as well to our life. And, and, and Peter encourages, he said, these qualities are growing in us. They're growing in you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. 
Because the Spirit is in you and working so that these things will increase. And he said, if they do increase, then it builds your confidence in the fact that you belong to him. And it builds your, your trust in him and, and your excitement about the fact that you have been afforded and will see a, a welcome, a rich welcome into his eternal kingdom that awaits us. Now Peter's going to change tactics a little bit and he's going to address the skeptics and the doubters and the ones who have, have trouble believing in any truth and especially as we hear it said today, I don't believe in big T truth, you know, I don't believe in any absolute truth, which is really funny when people say that and say, are you sure? Yeah, I don't believe in absolute truth. And then say, are you absolutely sure? The only truth they believe in is that there is no truth, which nullifies their point of view. Because you know why we don't believe, believe in absolute truth a lot of times? Because it demands belief and it calls for obedience. The absolute truths in Scripture are not there for our entertainment, like finished files, that card. They're there for our transformation. So Peter starts his argument with these three verses, and we'll complete them in the following three, which we will examine next week, Lord willing. And let's look at these three verses today under three points, myths, eyewitnesses, and glory. So let's talk about myths. Apart from faith in Jesus Christ and belief in the Bible as the Word of God, the Bible is the Word of God, right, for our faith and practice, all the world is left with to try and understand why they are here and where they came from and where they're going. All the world has is myths. And Peter wants his readers to know that what he's given them is the truth and that he and the other apostles did not come to to them with cleverly devised myths. I like that phrase. We did not follow cleverly devised myths. Right? There's so many myths in the world that people chooses to choose to believe. And they're easy to believe because they're clever. <laughs> they can be very clever. And otherwise they would not gain any traction at all with people uh, who have any sense. But, but, but they are also devised. Which means they are what? They're made up. Right? They're created by men. This, this is not devised except by God, right? And he'll talk about that, that, that Scripture has not come from, from, uh, from anything other than prophets who were spoken to by the Holy Spirit. And so these myths are, are clever, and they come from people. If you go to Moldova in Eastern Europe, as some of you have been with me, Mike and, Mike and others have been with me to Moldova, and you ride on a city bus in the summertime... Um, don't expect the AC to be on. And some of them have AC, but they don't turn it on. And don't expect the windows be, to be open. The windows will be closed. And you say, why in the world would the windows be closed? And people are sweating, and it smells terrible. And there's this all packed in there like sardines, and there's no moving air. Because in Moldova, there's the belief that any manufactured moving air that you're exposed to will make you sick. Now, is that a deadly myth? No, it's just annoying. <laughs> it's, just, it's just painful, right? But there are some deadly myths. One is that the one that has led to the slaughter of millions is the myth that an embryo is just a blob of tissue. Maybe it will become a human one day, or maybe it will become something else. Another 
that can have deadly consequences is that all religions are the same. You heard that one? All religions are the same. Everybody prays to the same God. And all roads lead to the top of the mountains, mountain, and all religions are the same. Some of you have heard me say, I used to ask my college students when I had time, when I could teach a, a full semester class. I don't have time to do it now. But we would do a session on logic and reasoning, and I would talk about the law of non-contradiction. You've heard me say this. I'd ask my students, what do people, what do Christians say about Jesus? Who was he? Somebody will say he was the Son of God. Somebody else will probably say he was the Savior. I said, right. What, what, what do they say about, what do Christians say about how he died? Somebody will say, well, he died on a cross. Right. Well, what do, the, what do Christians say about what happened next, three days later? And somebody will usually say, He was raised from the dead. He was resurrected. I said, okay, that's what Christians say. Now, what do Muslims say about Jesus? Who was he? Somebody will know. Oh, according to Muslims, he was a prophet. Was he the greatest prophet? Oh, no, no, that was Muhammad. Was he God's son? Oh, no, no. Allah has no son. Okay. Well, did he, how did he die? And and usually nobody knows this, but in Islam belief, and I, I think according to the Quran, there was a person who was transformed at the time that Jesus was to be crucified. Somebody was miraculously transformed to look just like Jesus, and he stepped into Jesus' place, and he was crucified, and Jesus never died. So he wasn't crucified, and he also didn't need to be resurrected. So let me get this straight. According to Islam, Jesus was not God's son, did not die on a cross, and was not resurrected. Can Christianity and Islam both be true? And do all world religions teach us how we can be saved? No. And some of them don't talk about salvation at all. But the only one that tells us how we can be saved and has proof of a risen Savior is Christianity. The Bible is truth. It is not a myth. You know, the Greeks and Romans of Paul's day, when when Peter was writing this, in the Roman Empire, and he was probably imprisoned at this time. We believe he knew when he was about to die. But the, the Greeks and the Romans of that day, they didn't really care whether their little G gods existed or not. Right? They had a lot of gods in the Roman pantheon. They didn't really care whether they existed or not because, because the, these gods were just for entertainment purposes. Most people did not believe that the gods had any power. In fact, they knew that they were myths or mythical And R.C. Sproul wrote, Peter was not ready to put off his mortal tent for a myth, but for that which he had witnessed. I mean, think about it. One of the proofs of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he really rose from the dead is that all 11 of the apostles were, except for John, he died of old age on the Isle of Patmos, but all the rest of them were martyred. They were led to their death. They were beheaded or they were crucified or they were eaten by wild animals in the Roman Colosseum. And and not one of them said, wait, 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 don't do this. I don't, look, I don't believe that stuff. Come on. I was just going along with the crowd. It was just group think, you know. I mean, Jesus resurrected. No, 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 that's not me. Every one of them went to their death saying, oh, yes, he was resurrected. And I saw him and he lives and he's coming back. Take my life just makes me get to, get to heaven quicker. People don't die for myths. People die for truth. So what should we do with cleverly devised myths? Paul said to Timothy, 
charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. That's 1 Timothy 1, verse 4. And then Paul went on to say in 2 Timothy this, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. Saints, has that time come? Oh, yes. In fact, it was already happening at the time that Paul was writing this letter. The time will come. The time is here. He talked about the last days. Well, he was living in the last. The last days started when Jesus was resurrected and then ascended into heaven. That's when the last days started. We're still in them. And this, this is happening now. So these myths lead to darkness. And the kingdom of God is light and truth. And that's why God gave us eyewitnesses. Peter says, for we made known to you, this is in verse 16, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We made known to you. The word for made known to you there is a word in the Greek that means a te- someone who has authority to unfold divine things. We, he's talking about the apostles, we made known to you. Paul uses the same word in his doxology in his letter to the Romans. When he's blessing them at the end of the book of Romans, look at what he says. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The revelations of the mystery of the gospel have been made known through His Word. Why? What's the purpose of them? So that it would bring about the obedience of faith, that we might believe and therefore be born again and therefore be resurrected on that Last day, when Jesus comes again. You say, well, how were you qualified to make these things known to me, Peter? I mean, who put you in a position to tell us these things as if they are true? (laughs) And Peter would say, because I saw it. I saw him in all of his glory with my own eyes. He said, listen, saints, we don't have to stumble around in the darkness and try our best to, to believe, make others believe the gospel is true and that there really is a kingdom of God and there's only one and that Jesus has invited us into it. And, and the other thing we don't have to do is change our doctrine, our book, like the Book of Mormon, uh, over and over again to go with the times and to get more politically correct over the years. No, we have a Bible that has not been changed for 2,000 years uh, and, and beyond when it, was, when it was written first in the Old and in the New Testament. We have the truth that has been revealed to us by people who were there. You know, John, who was Peter's buddy and also an apostle, who raced him to the tomb. Remember that in John's gospel? John raced him to the tomb, got there first but wouldn't go in. Peter blew past John into the empty tomb to see for himself that Jesus was not there. John wrote this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. 
So what event is Peter referring to here when he says they were eyewitnesses of Jesus' majesty? And children, you can draw this picture. I'll show you another picture of it in a minute that was painted by a famous painter. What is Jesus referring to? What event? He only did this once. It wasn't the resurrection or the crucifixion. He did that once too. The transfiguration. When he took Peter, James, and John, just three, the inner circle of his disciples, up a mountain, and there he was transfigured. You know, this event in, of Jesus' life is in all three of the synoptic gospels. You ever wonder what that means? Matthew, Mark, Luke are called synoptic gospels, which simply means they can be seen together. It's like a triptych, if you will, a word that means three pictures side by side. They're of the same thing, but, but they're from different angles. And when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see basically the same events in Jesus' life, but sometimes they're in different orders and sometimes they're different details, and that gives us a fuller picture of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus, right? But the, the, the transfiguration is in all three of these. But I want to just look at one. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Turn back to Matthew, first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 17. And I want you to follow along as I read verses 1 through 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Okay, we're looking at Matthew chapter 17 and beginning with verse 1. If I knew what number it was in the Pew Bible, I would tell you, but I don't. Matthew 17, 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. <laughs> What's so funny? One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. We'll just camp out, Lord. We'll just have a big camping party. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. This event was not cleverly devised or scripted. It was real. It happened in living color. Jesus, these, these three disciples were given an incredible privilege to see Jesus glorified. And Jesus was glorified before he came to earth, and he, will be, and he was glorified after he ascended into heaven. But as, as he walked on the earth, his glory was veiled. He was still God, fully God and fully man, but his glory was veiled. Otherwise, people would have been blinded by him. You can't look at the sun without doing damage to your eyes. And you can't look at the glory of Jesus with human eyes and not be damaged by that. And so they saw his glory. They saw him as he is in heaven. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were as white as light. John, who was there, would write the same thing in Revelation 1. When heaven was, was pulled back and he got a glimpse into heaven on the island of Patmos and he saw heaven, he saw Jesus. Listen to what he said in Re Revelation 1.16. His face was shining like the sun in full strength. But these Three men were not the only witnesses to the glory of God in Jesus Christ our Savior. Standing with them, beside them, were who? The lawgiver, Moses, 
and the prophet Elijah, right? And, and they were talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah, who died thousands of years before Jesus came to earth, were talking to him, and they were there. They were present. Now, what does that tell you? Well, this is a living picture of what Jesus said to the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection. The old joke, that's why they were sad, you see. They didn't believe in a resurrection. And this is proof because Jesus said to them, you don't understand. God's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. He's the God of the living. And so here's Moses and, and Elijah living. And, when God, and then glory of glories, when God spoke, what happened to those three men? Peter, James, and John, what did they do? They hit the deck. They were terrified. They fell on their faces because they heard the voice of God speaking from heaven. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Matthew adds, also, listen to him. In other words, hey, Peter, James, and John, listen to this man. He is my son. Listen to him. These men were eyewitnesses of his majesty and have authority to tell us the truth. And that leads us to glory. Verses 17 and 18. Drop your finger almost on, well not almost any page, but a lot of pages in scripture. If you just open up and drop your finger, you might find the word glory probably more often than not. It's all through scripture. The whole earth is filled with his Glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. The glory of the Lord endures forever. One of my favorites. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I wasn't there. I I can't see it like Peter, James, and John. Can we see it? Can we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ? And the answer is yes. How do we see it? With the eyes of faith. We have the eyes of faith. If we're born again, we've been given faith. It was a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We didn't work up faith. We didn't pray down faith. It was given to us. We have faith that was given to us by God. And so we believe in Jesus and we can see him in our eyes of faith. And we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We see it when our life is humming along without a hitch. And we see it when our life is falling apart. Right? Think about it. Did, did, did Peter lose his faith in those last days as he waited for a horrible crucifixion? That he would suffer just like Jesus? Did he lose his faith? No, he didn't. Right? Did Paul go blind to the truth after his imprisonments? You know, his countless beatings. Jesus was beaten with a a, a leather whip on Good Friday. Right? Remember? With a cat of nine tails, which had little pieces of bone and glass embedded in it. And he was laid open. His back and his, his, his uh, whole body would have just been ribbons of flesh laid open. 39 lashes. That was because 40 would kill you. So the, the, the Romans or the Jews would say, or the Romans would say, we're not going to kill a man with 40 lashes, but we're going to make him wish he was dead. Paul suffered the same thing five times. He was beaten 39 times. Did that make him say, come on, 
I didn't sign up for this. Forget it. He's not real. If he was real, I wouldn't be suffering. You ever heard that argument? If God loves me, he will not let me to suffer. If God loves us, he will not let anybody suffer. Paul knew that wasn't the truth. He didn't give up after five times with 39 lashes or three times beaten with rods. Which one would be worse? I don't know. He didn't stop believing in God after being stoned and left for dead or shipwrecked three times or left without food and without water and without heat in the cold a number of times. He had seen the glory of God. He had seen Jesus face to face. He was not going to turn his back on the one who gave his life for him. You know, as I was preparing for this, this sermon, I couldn't help but think about Jim Elliott. Um, one of my students is here, and, I, and, and sometimes I'll say, okay, so we need stories, quotes, and stats to support a good speech. What's a quote you live by? And I ask him to share a quote. And I'll usually say, this is one I love. Jim Elliott, he was speared to death on January 8th, 1956, by the very people he loved enough to risk his life to save, and as they were coming at him with a spear, he had a gun in his pocket, but he'd already told the Lord and himself, I will never kill someone I'm trying to bring to salvation. They would end up in hell without you. And so he left that gun where it was, and he was speared to death. But I love the quote. He said, he's 27 or 28 when he died. I can't remember. But he wrote this in his journal a few years earlier. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep. To gain that which he cannot lose. See, he had seen it too. He never saw Jesus face to face. But he had seen with the eyes of faith the living proof that Jesus Christ is, is God. And in him there is life and life everlasting. And if he witnessed to these men and they came to know Jesus, praise God. If they killed him as they witnessed to him, praise God. Someone else would come behind him. Someone did. His wife. With their daughter. And that whole tribe. The, uh, the, the tribe became followers of Jesus. Because of the testimony of this family. Starting with Jim's death. In bringing the gospel to them. You know what else happened in 1956? Thousands of young people in America. Signed up to take the gospel to the world. His death. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of, the, of faith. His, the seed of the church. His death led to thousands of young people saying, I'm comfortable here. I want to go where I'm not comfortable and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen, you don't have to cross an ocean. You don't have to cross a border to be a, miss, a missionary. Amen? You can tell people right now in this community, on that campus, in, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace, you can tell people, hey, you know what? It's real. It's real. I've seen it. I've seen him work in my life. He's changed my life. Jesus is real. Let's talk about it. Let's read the Gospel of John together. Would you do that with me? And you might see somebody come to know Jesus. Peter and Paul were eyewitnesses to the majesty of the Lord. And you and I are witnesses as well. That's what we're called to be, witnesses. As we've all met Jesus and had our sins forgiven and our hearts renewed and we've crossed over from death to to life. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for Peter's encouragement to us in this text today and in this letter. We're thankful for eyewitnesses who were there. They were on the scene. They saw it. They saw you. They touched you. They broke bread with you. They watched you die. 
and then they saw you risen from the dead. They saw you ascend into heaven, and now we know you're seated at the right hand of the Father, and you're making intercession for us. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us faith and encouragement and boldness. You would, would help us, Lord, to, uh, to believe in you enough to risk even our reputation. We probably won't ever have to risk our lives, but Lord, if we do, we'll do that too. But if, at least, Lord, let us be willing to risk our reputation, risk ridicule, to let other people know how much you love them. And use us, Lord, to reach our family and friends and neighbors. And most of all, Lord, help us to love you more and more because of the things we're learning about you, that our communion with you will be sweeter. And as a result, the aroma of life that comes from us would touch many. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch Community Church meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information, please go to antiochchurchnc.org.